and the star of this show. You are, you are the talent, uh, much like uh, Kevin Costner in the movie we're going to talk about today, Mike. Mm. Yes, is he the talent here? I don't know how I feel about that. With this particular cast, normally if you say, hey, it's you're the stacked. Kevin Costner, if, you know, if you're talking about Yellowstone, I guess it's like, well, cool. That's obviously <laughs> the biggest name. JFK, I don't know. I mean, I think he really kind of ties this movie together. Like, because everything else is so big and so dramatic that if you don't have a stabilizing force, I think this becomes, like most Oliver Stone movies, nonsense. Mm. Um, I was actually re-watching this, so this is a movie, I think we share this, that I got just obsessed with um, after the first time I saw it. Like, this is one of the movies I saw, and then I researched what books it was based on and read all the books mm-hmm. and just really dove into it and same, same. got really excited yep. about it, right? And I watched this and I was thinking, not only is this Oliver Stone's best movie, but I think if you take out like maybe Born on the Fourth of July, I I struggle to come up with other really good Oliver Stone movies that aren't just like, oh yeah, that's an Oliver Stone thing, that's fun, it's it's over the top, but like just on its on its face, like good to great movies. Like can you because I know you're not a big platoon guy. No, right? I was never a fan of Platoon, uh, and I've not seen um, Heaven and Earth, which, which I guess is the conclusion of his yeah. Vietnam trilogy. Uh, Natural Born Killers, not a big fan of. Nixon, uh, I did <laughs> watch that um, when I had COVID, because that was also, I guess, uh, the uh, the Capitol riots happened, and <laughs> um, I was wanting to see uh, a president, I guess, go down for the count. Uh, so it was a little <laughs> bit, uh, a bit of catharsis there. Um, any given Sunday is fun. Uh, that's yeah. I think that one, I think counts. I think that is like, that's the one in his filmography that I think, you know, is that quote unquote misunderstood masterpiece. Like, I think it's truly great. Um, and I think does not get enough credit. Talk radio, um, is kind of a curiosity in the sense that, uh, like, uh, Scorsese's after hours is, but that's also, um, probably the same as After Hours is very much uh, writer-driven, uh, which is why it feels mm-hmm. like it's such naughty. In that case, I think you have the actual playwright, uh, Eric Bogosian, uh, in the yep. lead role. So maybe that one doesn't feel like an Oliver Stone uh, movie. But I'm also not I mean, a big enough Jim Morrison fan to ever have been into The Doors. I missed that. So I saw it as a teenager, I mean, and I don't really remember Yeah, it. I think that movie is really only interesting for the fact of how much Val Kilmer looks like Jim Morrison. I think that is the selling point of that movie. <laughs> Good for movie. you, Val. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You win absolutely. the contest. By the way, speaking of like new releases that we probably won't ever do anymore, there is a documentary coming out that Val Kilmer filmed called Val – um, about his struggle with his with his cancer, and it looks really really. Shout good. out to um, is it R two is good on Twitter? Is mm-hmm. that at R two is good? I can't remember. I just know him as R two, and I was just scrolling the other day, and he had a link to it and expressing his enthusiasm. Um, yeah. And I had not heard of this, and I got excited. Yeah. So we will put that on the schedule. We could have a Val week. That would be fun. Yeah, I, I yeah, don't know. Here we are saying like. JFK, Oliver Stone's masterpiece. Anyway, let's talk about all these other movies and <laughs> Val Kilmer's great. And well, yes. well, I brought that I brought that up because like I I think if you had asked me like before watching this and before kind of thinking about this, like yeah, you know Oliver Stone's a great director, right? I'd be like yeah, and then I started like looking at the filmography and this really stands out. Like this is to me like this is an almost perfect movie. Like this is a masterpiece. This is as good as it gets. All of my emotions feel the same, feel the same. You don't like where this is going. Look away, look away. You're not in my way, you're in my path. Look at that. All of my emotions feel the same. What a 
I was going to watch this and be like, oh, God, you know, Dave from, you know, this era, not not real bright, that guy. <laughs> like, what were you thinking? Well, but, man, this holds up like crazy. Okay, like, I loved it. Content-wise, it is kind of a young man's game. Yes. And, and, you know, I mentioned the, the fucking MAGA idiots uh, storming the Capitol. Maybe it's also a middle-aged to old uh, Facebook user's uh, game now. Mm. I mentioned that at work. Uh, someone uh, that I, I watched JFK, uh, I never mentioned a podcast because anytime they're like, oh, you do a podcast, what's it about? And I'm like, movies. And they're like, oh, I'm not... I don't really like movies, uh, but I should listen to your right. show. And I'm like, why? Why? You know, if, if you had a podcast like on, movies. on beekeeping, why the fuck would I listen to it? I'd be like, good on you, man. Uh, chase yeah. your dreams. Hope you're having a good time. Yeah. That's... <laughs> um, but the comment I made to him uh, about JFK was because he said the same as you. He was like, oh, great movie. I had not watched it in the um, Trump era, the mm. – uh, conspiracy minded sort of like how it's it's gone from this sort of leftist thing of the government has stolen the american dream to this alt-right they've stolen the american dream which means uh exclusively white and usually male and i i don't know how the x-files because i haven't revisited the x-files i bought it on an itunes sale like within the last year and i thought oh me and the wife she's never or i I think because she played sports she never like followed the (laughs) x-files in her schooling um i was like we'll do that how dare you how dare you say something so true look man you you know i remember it aired originally on friday nights which was perfect for a dork Nerds. like me, and I, yeah. I loved it. You know, I loved it. That and uh, Homicide: Life on the Street were two of my favorite oh, yeah. shows, both on Friday nights. I think we would have been friends, Mike. This is that's un- this is eerie. That's unfortunate <laughs> for the world. Uh, it you know, is that we end up meeting, and we're like, "Yeah, right on, man. You're exactly right." <laughs> um, but I, my point is, I wonder if I'd have the same feelings about the X Files instead of rooting for Mulder. Mm. Now there's this sort of icky quality to the government's always lying to us. We know best. We know the truth. And now, now it doesn't feel as cool. I tried to keep that at bay as best I could. And uh, I will say this is masterful in its execution. And it's uh, the editing, uh, the way it sort of layers together all of this I mean, basically nonsense. I mean, it's, it is Oliver Stone and his, you know, putting words, I think in Garrison's mouth or, or using his own words and cutting them together, uh, to throw so much your way that it is really even hard to focus on the conspiracy. And they make a good point in the film that because of that, they, they've sort of hidden what's really happened to the American people because there's so many different crazy characters Mm -hmm. that come into play. Who's to say? And I think you said it in our riveting episode on False Positive that when a character is like repeating all these things, they can't help but sound crazy themselves just for repeating what appears to be the facts of it because it's too crazy to be real. Um, So that's what I'm saying. I'm saying JFK is so good that even MAGA has not ruined my love for it. Oh, that is even though I still I still remember the exact. Uh, I think I believe it's when Tommy Lee Jones is uh, Clay Shaw is he actually gives up his alias. That is where VHS tape one ends. And you have to put mm-hmm. in the second mm-hmm. one. I remember that so fondly. And yep. I didn't get that thrill this time around in the yeah, digital yeah, era. Exactly. I will say I'm glad you brought up the editing because I think this is on the short list of the best edited films ever made. Like it's just incredible how because a lot of this is relatively dry material. 
right? It actually feels a lot like a documentary as you're watching it. Because, you know, documentaries, although they get the, you know, you think about documentaries like, oh, it's true things being told, but it's true things with an angle, right? The greatest documentaries always have an angle. They're trying to convince you of something. And for the majority of this movie, like, of course, there's the stuff at, like, kind of the homestead, which is, like, the drama of it. But the rest of it is very much like, here's what happened before Kennedy was shot. Here's what happened as he was shot. Here's what happened after. Like, it's just bup, 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 bup. Um, And yet, it's edited so well that this feels like an action movie. Like, as you watch it and you look back on it and you're like, why was I so excited by this movie? Because if you look at just the pieces of it, this is definitely a, like, more than the sum of its parts type of movie like it's really hard to pinpoint like oh yeah this and this it's just like as a whole like oliver stone really managed to create something really special here and you brought up the idea of you know you spout these things these theories and you sound crazier and crazier and crazier and i think the thing that was really interesting in kind of researching this movie after i first saw it is i realized that oliver stone just took like, there is no one book that Garrison wrote that is the movie JFK. Like, it's like four different perspectives from four different people. And and Stone was like, yeah, all of it. All of it's true. Just we're going to go with that. And I kind of admire the guts of that to be like, I don't care if this doesn't make sense. This is going to be cool. And we're going to have a good time. And we're going to go crazy hating the government. Like, he just really goes for it. Uh, it says here on the Wikipedia page, Stone described this account as a counter myth. That's his words to the Warren Commission's <laughs> fictional myth, which I think is an interesting. And I, I remember seeing some uh, interviews uh, around the time of its release because, uh, I mean, this movie was wildly successful, uh, given yeah, given its sort of aims, as you said, this sort of activist cinema, um, and that it is. It's a not I guess not so much a history lesson as it is sort of like a, a debunking of the right. the official story. Uh, the fact that it made over two hundred million dollars, I don't understand. I don't. Understand I, it's happened. like I want to, and I you know I'm keeping this just strictly movies. Um, you know I'm not uh, as you often do. Like we if we if we talk about uh, classic films, uh, it's like man, I'd love to have lived in the seventies, and you have to <laughs> catch yourself I'm like well. Uh, going backwards in time is bad for a, a lot of people. Uh, yes, not me. Yes. Be just fine for me. I'm good. You'd be okay. Uh, but I just want to make the point that it blows my mind when we are talking about something in our lifetime that feels like it took place in an alternate reality. Like what JFK was a two hundred million dollar hit. This is. It seems like if anything, it's pure uh, Oscar bait. Uh, where it's like, go take your medicine. And maybe Nixon mm. suffered a little bit more from that. I guess Nixon yeah, is the, yeah. from a marketing perspective, was the quasi-sequel to JFK. Like, another president yeah. movie uh, from Oliver Stone. Uh, I remember seeing that one on Christmas Day with my dad. And we had both, we were choosing between that and Four Rooms. Um, the uh -huh. anthology was Tarantino. And we saw the horrific reviews it was getting. And my dad Oof. made the case to me. He's like, well... It's like, you like this Tarantino guy, but do you really want to watch the other stories just to get to that? He's like, it's probably only like a 15-minute segment. And I'm like, you're right, Dad. And he's like, all right, so we're going to watch Nixon. It's a good argument. He was a big history buff. However, we got out Nixon, and he said we should have watched Four Rooms. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to think. So this movie came out in 1991. Mm -hmm. So it's got, it's got a couple of advantages, right? One is that I don't know if like younger viewers now kind of realize how big of a star Kevin Costner was. Like he was – Oh, he was gold. He was, he was uh, huge. The peak of his powers, right here. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And like, 
from a aesthetic perspective, maybe my favorite uh, Kevin Costner. Very, very like nice glasses? to look at in this mm-hmm. movie. I do. I'm into it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm into dad Kevin Costner. Carries an umbrella sure. around a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's very prepared. I like that. Yeah, it's good. Um, and then also, I think, you know, if you talk to people like my parents' age, like this is the event. This is for, for people our age, it's 9-11, right? Where were you when? Right. Um, so when this came out, this is like, you know, a little less than 30 years after the event. So people who grew up thinking about this were viewers at this point. So this was their opportunity to like either relive this or be like, what did really happen? Let me find out all the ways the government has lied to us, because that is how it was marketed. So I think if this movie never came out and you tried to make this movie now, like I don't it sucks, but I don't think that many people are that obsessed with it. And care that much? I don't think you have the same pull that you did in the 90s. This feels like one of those, this was the perfect moment to release this movie. Because I think around then there was, there was, there was, uh, news stories around how they're, you know, this is when they're going to release the information and there was always these kind of updates on it. So JFK and the assassination was something that was always on people's minds, especially American folks. Like this is something we were always wondering about. So it has that inborn curiosity to it. And I think that probably pulled people. And then it became, and then it was a really good movie. And then it got the word of mouth, and then it just kind of exploded, I think. That's like my vague memory of this time when I was like, I don't know, like 12 years old. I, I remember my uh, uh, stepfather um, and his brother, like, you know, they became like the uh, <laughs> the lone gunman from the X-Files, not, <laughs> not from JFK, and that they were... Uh, there was know, no lone gunman, Mike. Right. <laughs> you learned anything. Um, <laughs> pre, I mean, pre-internet, uh, really. I mean, unless you were... And some sort of scientist or maybe at a university at this point on uh, uh, some sort of like news group. I don't know in 91 really what the internet looked like, but uh, in my neck of woods, it would have been like, you know, 94, 95 before that became something you could dial up sure. to there. I don't know what they were doing, but they were like exchanging letters and sending each other packages and different like uh, books they discovered. Like it really reignited this thing, but they also like my stepdad when this took place would have been 10 when Kennedy was assassinated. So yes, it it certainly was a generational thing where it felt like now's the time. And it was sad because watching it in 2021 for this podcast, I was like, Oh yeah. Weren't those documents supposed to be released? And it's like, Oh no, uh, Trump, uh, you know, pussy that he is, um, Mm -hmm. back down from that too. After all of his fucking claims, it's like, well, there's still some things that, you know, the American public don't need to see about something that happened decades and decades ago right and i remember that as a child watching it on those, that you know those two vhs tapes um how sad it was because it sounds like oh shit that's gonna be so far away and costner even says like at the time uh in the film that version of garrison says he wants his son to like eat healthy and take care of himself so maybe he'll have a chance to see <laughs> right. what's been hidden from them and i'm thinking fuck we don't now but you know you bring up a good point dave i don't know if that was even, especially in the Trump years, if that was even a blip. No. Nope. No. I mean, I honestly forgot about it until you mentioned it. So that should tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, and you had mentioned early in this episode about this cast. Can we just talk about like how stacked this cast is? It's like, the only this time. It's got to be up there with the, the best ever. Right? Only time I'll take offense for you calling me Kevin Costner when who I really am is Walter Matthau. It's like, oh, I well, you were say Joe Pesci. No, that's what I was. No, about. Walter Matthau has one scene on plane that sort of gets the ball rolling again. Oh God! And it's like and bullshit. Honestly, yep. <laughs> 
one pristine bullet, that dog don't hunt. That dog Maybe won't the hunt. Most, and you know what? That is a line. I haven't seen this movie in years. And that is a line for whatever reason that just sticks in my mm-hmm. mind. Like forever. That dog won't hunt. Walter Matthau's, you know, over the top draw. That dog won't hunt. Like you just hear it and you're like, ah, oh, JFK. Like that is the moment. And, but like, I mean, you know, Gary Oldman, Jack Lemon, uh, you know, this movie is really, really impressive with everyone who just makes these very quick appearances, right? Like people have one or two scenes and you're like, oh my God, that is a movie star. How did you get everybody hey, in this movie? As a uh, you know movie fan in the '90s, the whole six degrees of Kevin Bacon thing. This, oh, was, this was this was the, a magic bullet. This was you know, yes. you had to make uh, rules. Be like, nice, yeah, no JFK. Nice. Please stop with JFK. Jesus, it's too easy. <laughs> uh, yeah, Laurie Metcalf, Tommy Lee Jones, um, yep. Mar- SpaceX, Martin like, Sheen, just doing a brief voiceover yes, to set the stage. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. I did read that a lot of the I guess actors uh, like you know worked. Uh, at scale just to be a part of this because I'm sure, sure it was an important story, but do you think that modern actors would touch something this, uh, you know, I mean, Hollywood is accused this of being incendiary. so incendiary. Yeah. No this one though is a, is a hot potato. Uh, and yeah. it's because stone is upfront about that. He doesn't really have the goods. He can only try right. to see through the bullshit. Um, but yeah, we don't have anything to this day as far as like lock stock. Oh, here's, here's what happened finally. And I don't know if actors would sign on to like, well, here's what I think went down because it was, I think in the marketing, it was seen as stone will tell you what happened. And I feel like there there would be some fear now, like, well, hold on. The truth is revealed. We're not exactly doing that. You know, this is just a fictionalized version, blah, blah, blah. And they would just really hedge. And there's like, there's like no fucking hedging in this. He's just taking wild haymaker swings. (laughs) Every scene is like that. And I I find it very interesting that there's all these, there's all these sequences with all the lawyers sitting around talking to one another. And everyone's like, especially Laurie Metcalf, it's like, this is what happened. And everyone around her is like, you can't prove any of (laughs) that and it's almost like stone talking to himself like yeah i i know i know i can't prove any of this but laurie metcalf on twitter like just i'll tell you what's what (laughs) absolutely (laughs) just goes so so far over the top there's only one scene in this and it's a great scene by the way that like it's not that it doesn't work for me anymore it just makes me think of something else do you know the scene that i'm referencing it's the magic bullet scene okay and because i'm a big seinfeld fan i mean there's no way like that i mean it's a great moment in seinfeld because it takes this and of course you know makes it silly and turns it on its head and it's already a silly scene wow what a story unfortunately the immutable laws of physics contradict the whole premise of your account allow me to reconstruct as if i may for miss bennis as i've heard this story a number of times Newman, Kramer, if you'll indulge me. According to your story, Hernandez passes you and starts walking up the ramp. Mm -hmm. Then you say you were struck on the right temple. The spit then proceeds to ricochet off the temple, striking Newman between the third and the fourth rib. The spit then came off the rib, made a right turn, hitting Newman in the right wrist causing him to drop his baseball cap. The spit then splashed off the wrist, pauses in midair, mind you, makes a left turn, and lands on Newman's left thigh. 
That is one magic loogie. In JFK, like, he is playing it for laughs in that scene. Like, look at this stupid thing they want us to believe. Look at what, look at how dumb they think the American public is. And I just kept watching that, especially because Wayne Knight is also in this movie, uh, as well as being in that episode of Seinfeld. I just kept watching this thinking about Keith Hernandez. Like, that's, that's all I can think about in this it's sequence. Not bad. A, you know, it's bad. No, no. At least if we're going to be mocked, it's not, uh, you know, my co-host Webb on Trilogy Theory comes up with the, the craziest forgotten sitcoms that he's just purchased on DVD. <laughs> right, right. Seinfeld, at the very least, sits, you know, right. in their respective fields, Seinfeld, JFK, that's fine. Right. That's, that's so some show that made it like a season and a half and then disappeared and no yeah, one's ever heard of it. Eventually <laughs> launched, you know, Ryan Reynolds, the, the 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 pizza and the girl and the other guy, that sort of thing. They don't get to do right. a JFK bit. Seinfeld, uh, personally, yeah. Dave, I only disagree with you. Um, that I think I still remember more Jerry making out with his girlfriend during a screening of Schindler's List and his parents finding out about it. <laughs> that's a great bit. I, I, I love that. Bit. Love that. It's, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah. I say that as someone who's very respectful of Schindler's List. When I watched it as a 10 year old or 11, whatever it was, uh, my oh, stepdad uh, took me to see it. It was the <laughs> first movie theater. We were in Florida, Dave, and the first movie theater, uh, none of the other family wanted to go. My brother and sister, my mom were like, are you, what are you insane? We're on the beach and you want to go see Schindler's List? <laughs> And um, my stepdad, this is the most big, Denison story I've ever heard. He's a big history buff, so he's like, "Why shouldn't he see Schindler's List? You should all see Schindler's List." So, you know, it's I, important. Yes, and we went, and we didn't realize because you know Kentucky. Um, that was the first time I ever went to a movie theater that served food, and I could mm. get a cheeseburger. That was our Seinfeld Ooh, moment because he had given a huge, not a good call. He's given a huge lecture to the rest of the family for like not taking an interest in this important event and be respectful of all the pain and suffering this caused and uh, witness it. And then they plant menus in front of us and we're like menus in a movie theater and we look at each other and we did order cheeseburgers and fries. Oh. We did. <laughs> I hope you ate that like at the very beginning. Like, let's get this down before before the death when camp is the show best up. Time to be eating. Opening credits. Opening credits. All right, That's hold it. on. The trailers. Do you so? Do you absolve people for eating popcorn during JFK and Schindler's List? Is that allowed? Because it's a movie theater. And- oh, I. It's it's not even it's a loud thing. It's just like that might turn my stomach if I'm watching Ray Fiennes pick off Jews with a with a hmm. rifle while I'm eating meat like that might be a little rough i think i'd moved on so. to like ice cream a sunday or something at that point <laughs> oh, nothing has changed you are the same person as when you were like 10 years old like a milkshake right <laughs> now that sounds yeah good. exactly exactly <laughs> the other thing i i kept noticing about this movie is like so a lot of times when in you know an actor gets awards and does really well for himself he tends to start to fall into kind of a stereotypical type of performance, right? And I'm talking about Gary Oldman here. Who oh, has become, mm-hmm. He's just become Gary Oldman. Like every movie he does, he plays Gary Oldman and he's very good at it. But I was like, oh man, I miss this. I miss movies where Gary Oldman just completely got lost in a performance. Like he – like I have to catch myself as I'm watching this, reminding myself that that's Gary Oldman. Because to me, that's just Lee Harvey Oswald and he becomes – that person and this is a person whose face is known right this right. is not someone you're like it's not an invented character i mean the the clay shaw character like you could do whatever you want with that because nobody knows who clay shaw is we know what lee harvey oswald looks like like he's been published in newspaper photos you know textbooks all this stuff and yet as i watch this i'm like wow like he is just him in this moment and he is ridiculously convincing 
in this movie and kind of terrifying. Yeah, the closest he comes to me uh, performance-wise is probably Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy, which is very different because uh, he's the lead. You know, now you're speaking to me. Now I love Tinker my Taylor, Soldier movies. Spy. Oh. love that movie. Um, but yes, I think probably you're right. When people think of Gary Oldman, they think more of true romance. They think of him. Right. Character actor, but playing it very big and broad. But, I mean, you know, he, I think he, in the 80s, you know, he's Sid from Sid and Nancy, so he had a thing. But, um, yeah, his version of Oswald um, is interesting because of how different he was to so many different people. Like, the different yes. versions of Oswald that were being crafted around. Uh, I really appreciate that. Not so much, as you mentioned, from... Well, uh, Tommy Lee Jones, Joe Pesci, Kevin Bacon, those sequences, they're pretty much uh, the same note of uh, <laughs> sort of villainy and um, cartoonishness. And the yes. question I came to the podcast with you is, what do you think of Joe Pesci here? Because he is playing a cartoon villain at times, but he's also – his sort of ending of his arc is – weeping and fearing for his life. And do you feel like they, they get to that point where you actually consider this man's fear, pain, his struggles up to that point? Because everyone is just saying either he's just like sort of a crazy idiot, a gun nut, or he's this man plotting the demise of, you know, uh, a president and democracy. And then when we finally catch up with them, with our main characters, this legal team, this private investigator, uh, he's just like a shred of that sort of mythology that's been built up among that sort of local town about the crazy guy with the hair and the eyebrows. Black, black, just give it to me. Black. Shit, my neck is killing me. I got cancer. I've had it for years. I've been working with mice, you know, trying to find a cure. Did you ever work for the CIA? You make it sound like some remote fucking experience in ancient history. Man, you don't leave the agency. Once you and you, they got you for life. Shaw? Shaw? Shaw's an untouchable. Highest clearance. Shaw? Oswald, the Cubans, all agency. About Ruby? <coughs> Jack. Jack was a pimp. He was a bagman for the Dallas mob. He used to run guns to Castro when he was still on our side. Mm. We almost had Castro with us, then we tried to whack him. Everybody's flipping sides all the time. It's funny games, man. Funny games. What the mob, Dave? How do they think in this? The agency, too, man. CIA and the mafia working together, trying to whack out the beard. Mutual interest. They've been doing it for years. It's more than than you could dream. Well, check out something called uh, Mongoose, Operation Mongoose. Mongoose? Uh, government, Pentagon stuff. Uh, they're in charge. But who the fuck pulls whose chain? Who the fuck knows? Oh, what a heavy web we weave when we practice to deceive. And who killed the president? Oh, man, why don't you fucking stop it? Shit, who did... This is too fucking big for you. You know that? This is... Who did the president? Who killed Ken? Fuck, man. It's it's a mystery. It's a mystery wrapped in a riddle inside an enigma. The fucking shooters don't even know. Don't you get it? Fuck, man. I can't keep talking like this. They're gonna fucking kill me. I'm gonna fucking die. Son of a bitch. What happened? Fuck! All I wanted in the world was to be a Catholic priest, live in a monastery. 
Yeah, I, I think that character is particularly interesting to me because it's kind of a microcosm of the movie um, all in one character. Like, you're introduced to David Ferry, uh, interesting choice of names there, considering his his habits. Um, and he, you're right, he is seen as, like, this raving lunatic, right? This person who just looks funny and you can't pay attention to him because, like, whatever, don't take him seriously. And then by the end, you realize he's one of the only people that actually knows what's happening, who actually knows what's going on. So I don't think you come around completely to him that like, ah, he's just a misunderstood guy. Like he's still kind of a monster. Um, But I think he becomes less cartoonish than Tommy Lee Jones and Kevin Bacon because they give him an actual arc. And by the end, he is, you know, for whatever bad he did, he's paying for it. Right. He's, well, he also he, he represents an idea, right? You're talking about he's one of the few that knows. He's one of the last shreds of the truth, and so yeah. it's like, yeah, all the things he's done. Um, there's a fear that, especially I, I forget the actor's name that basically plays the uh, the the PI. Is it Jay Sanders? J yeah. O Sanders. Yeah. Yes. Um, and he's <laughs> the only one that's speaking up J-O. for like, hey, we we sort of asked for this guy to come out of the woods, out of the darkness, and into the light, like. Yeah. We have to be very fearful ourselves that this is the last gasp of that truth. This is as close as we'll ever get to it. And I, I had forgotten how they play with Garrison's ego a little bit, where mm-hmm. it's like he follows every thread. And you do have one guy in his crew that's saying, this might be it. This might be like this thing might be so big that this is the only bit of truth we can touch is this one local guy. That's the only because we right. know where he is. We can call him up. We know his address. We can find him. We can touch him. But Costner, you know, he's off talking to Donald Sutherland as like, you know, Mr. X or whoever. God, I love is. that scene. It's a great God, monologue. It's a great, so you know, I mean, uh, it's a it's a greatest hits compilation of all the, yes. the theories and all of that. Uh, Sutherland, of all of the ensemble, uh, that's not one of the leads, you know, not I would consider Costner and Tommy Lee Jones, you know, because that's going to be the trial. Those two facing off. Um, Sutherland probably like when he was reading the script, it's like, oh, I've got the. I've got the best part. I got the goods here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I... The the only thing I struggled with, really, is, you know, when I I was watching this in the early 90s, even the mid-90s, as I owned it on, you know, VHS and DVD, it's definitely a movie, like, God, I should have known you would love this movie. Because it's a man who's obsessed, mm-hmm. who can't, mm-hmm. who just can't that's, give it up. This is like what your I love in wheelhouse. Yep. You love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely really got into that. And I was very much on Garrison's side for the whole movie when I was younger. And as I watch it now and I see the stuff with Sissy Spacek, I, you know, part of me is kind of like leaning towards her. Like, you know, she's putting up with a lot here. Like that whole thing on Easter Sunday. Like when I watched it in the 90s, I was like, but he's, it's important that he does this and I watch it now and I'm like, yeah, you are kind of a dick right now. Like this, this one's on you, Jim. Like you should I not think this is personal this growth way. from you. Um, you know, you <laughs> it was bound you're, to happen. You're a single man and yet I'm married and I'm like, he's absolutely right. This is open your eyes. <laughs> we have to seek out the truth. Uh, Easter Sunday. Have to be spell damned. it out for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. Jesus. <laughs> Uh, poor no. sissy SpaceX just wants to have a nice, you know, Easter egg hunt with her kids and have a nice day with her husband. And he's like, no, the president who died years ago. I got to figure she this out. She is the reasonable voice of um, – She, I think she can respect uh, the sort of aspirational quality of her husband and what he yes. stands for, at least in the, the cinematic version of Garrison. Um, but 
with that comes a certain degree of ego where it's like, well, it's left up to me to, to figure <laughs> out this and this global conspiracy uh, of the Only murder I, of the president. James Garrison. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I do find her, you know, eminently reasonable in that way where it's like, you know, she could say a lot more offensive shit about, you know, exactly where you stand here, but she's trying, she's trying yeah. real hard, like Samuel Jackson in Pulp Fiction to be the shepherd. And right. right. And Spacek is so good in what is normally a very thankless part of like the right. homestead that just doesn't understand, you know, what the, the hero's up to. I also kept like watching this, like, God, how many fucking kids do yep. they have? Like, it seems like in every scene they add another well, one. Like, you should know. Like, You're saying this is like Pete Costner as far as looks, the glasses, yeah. the umbrella, all How can you say no? How can you say no? Wrap yeah. it up, Costner. Come on. <laughs> yeah, they just, I don't know, you know, Catholic? I don't know what he was or yeah, whatever. Maybe. But, um, maybe. Um, I, yeah, this one, other than my fear of this will not age well because of the political climate of, you know, 2021, um, this one remains. This is top 10 for me of the 90s. This is my favorite yeah. of 91. Uh, it's not even like close. Um, and for Was the, 91 a particularly good year? Was there other I really think, good stuff that came out? Well, uh, Silence of the Lambs was the best picture winner for that year, I mm. believe. Um, so I would say most would lean that direction. And I call yeah. them fools. This, Damn fools. Mike, I God, I hate to agree with you, but like now after rewatching this, it's harder to rewatch. I mean, because it's like a, let's be honest, it's a three three and a half hour long movie. Mm-hmm. You know, Silence of the Lambs is a you know quick two hours, and it's like your standard. But I oh man, I'll get some heat for this, but I think this is a better movie. I really do, not by a lot. Like I think Silence of the Lambs is great, but I will say, if anything, that one probably ages worse than JFK. Um. You know, the trans stuff is not great in that movie. There's a lot of questionable stuff in there. Um, but they're both you, great. They're both like, great uh, movies. Kevin Bacon is the uh, the gay man that says fascism's <laughs> coming back, baby. <laughs> I love that scene. I thought uh, we were going to go this whole episode without talking about it. But it ends with Kevin Bacon staring at Kevin Costner's ass, telling him he's a fine-looking man. How do you not like that scene? It's great. He's, he's trying to be smooth about it, even though he's in prison, and you know yep. he's just made us plea for fascism got, to this. I got uh, nothing but time, district nothing attorney. Time. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not a bad looking man, Mister Garrison. Yeah, uh, not bad at all. Kevin Bacon, who usually has great hair, of course, with the the flat top, the buzz cut. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Sons of the Lambs is probably the biggest contender uh, for 1991 in film because I was looking at the other. Uh, nominees. I don't think uh, Prince of Tides is uh, really holding strong. I still strong. have never seen that I haven't one. either. I, I like Nolte and, you know, I believe the poster is him and uh, Streisand in the throes of passions. I don't really yep. know why I've not gotten around to, to that one. But, uh, yeah, this is uh, one that uh, when you picked it, I was like, oh, cool. I like a reason to watch JFK again, which I do watch every few years. But right. um, I was definitely a little bit more hesitant uh, oh, this time but around. But also... Also in 1991, Scorsese's Cape Fear, which I like a great deal. I don't know. It's certainly not on the same level. But also My Own Private Idaho uh, came out that I've year. I've never which seen I, think it. it's I own it. I would be, I would be very interested to hear what you think because it, it could be either direction. Hmm. You might – because it's – you know, it's Gus Van Sant. It's an art film. Um, How much longing is it? How much longing? Uh, oh, no. I really don't like <laughs> longing in my romances. Uh, uh, let me throw a populist yeah. one out there. T2 came out in 91. Yeah, it's all right. Not as good as the first one. Oh, shit. Okay, in the podcast right now, <laughs> uh, Dave has decided that after all of this conspiracy talk, 
to have the wildest claim uh, on this podcast. Yeah, the first Terminator is a better movie than the second one. The second one's great. First one's better. Why stop there? Go with Rise of the Machines or something. Go with Salvation yeah, is your oh, favorite. Come on, come on Dave. I'm not, a, I'm not a complete monster. Be a big baller on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, Terminator what are you doing? Genesis, the best of the <laughs> franchise. <laughs> Uh, yeah, JFK is great. Um, I now wonder if I should have watched the uh, director's cut because I don't remember on this one if there's a definitive like difference. Like you know, some of Ridley Scott films like Kingdom of Heaven, you know, there's a huge difference. I don't know with this one if it's just more, <laughs> more this, conspiracy this talk. This one, as I remember, it's just more. It's a lot like, you know, you know, the Lord of the Rings director's cut, right? It's just like more padding for it. Like for big fans of this, you really like this. Because I saw uh, supposedly the runtime is three hours and nine minutes. And the one I watched is much longer than that. It was okay. like three and a half. So, so yeah, yeah it's just more it. stuff. I don't even know I don't how think I watched it, it. I don't think it. I don't think you lose anything by not watching the director's cut. But if you're like a big fan of this stuff and you, you want just, more... Enjoy. Want more time with Kevin Costner's ass? That's what you want. Yeah. Who doesn't? <laughs> I wish this was a video. That that shrug you did was. <laughs> All right, that's enough podcasting for me today. I need to leave Dave alone. <laughs> yeah, I need to think about Kevin Costner and horn rim glasses some more. I need a moment. <laughs> uh... Follow us on Twitter at Offscreen Death and Instagram at the Offscreen Death, where Mike will never post. Uh, but give us follow. You shut anyway. up. I'm getting ready to go eat dinner with my wife, and I will interrupt it and find a picture of Kevin Costner's ass and post it uh, on there right now. Now we're talking. There we Hell go. Hell yeah. <laughs>